I'm good. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for reaching out. I appreciate it. No, I, I had your uh, had your book here. What I do is you asked about the um, the podcast. Um, mm -hmm. I used to work on the newspaper here in Peoria, and mm -hmm. I guess I'm semi-retired now and all that. Um, but I, I was doing podcasts for the paper, so I just kept doing them. Yeah. yeah, I guess, I, you know, when you don't know when to stop, you know, so <laughs> pardon me for just carrying on. But anyway, we've gone to doing a book thing and I reach out to some of the university presses periodically because mm -hmm. they have very interesting books. And yours was one of them. So I, I, okay. I glommed onto it there. How do you pronounce your, your name? Michella Marino. All right. Michella. I was I thought it was Michelle, but I thought you might go by Michaela, so we'll see. Michelle yeah, I've gotten a, a variety of different versions, but Michelle, yeah. Okay, very good. Um, and do you want my video on, or does it matter? Or It, it doesn't matter. I, I'm sorry, I don't have a camera. I do it strictly audio, so whatever okay. you're comfortable with, um, we're fine. Okay. Um, the questions I sent you will probably be those that we can discuss, and as I said, I know you're with a history uh you know, I won't say department, but the, uh, well, what is your t formal title? It's complicated, but my formal title is Deputy Director of the Indiana Historical Bureau. Ah, Bureau. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little confusing because we used to be our own state agency, but a couple of years ago, we merged with the state library. So we're technically a division of the Indiana State Library now. But oh, okay. so I oversee the bureau, but we're now part of the library. And, and I'm only asking this because I'm thinking of the, you know, another story or another area because uh -huh. I, I think the history and uh, travel kind of intertwine here and mm -hmm. being in the Midwest. In line with us today, we have Michelle Marino, the author of Roller Derby. And it's just as you would guess, Roller Derby, the book is just just flying right at you there as you look at it. A great photo of uh, some players. Now, Michelle, let's, let's ask you this. You've actually played Roller Derby. Uh, give us your title, because people might think, uh, well, you know, this, this, uh, what does she know about history? Well, you know a lot about history. Yeah, I, I do know a lot about history, and I did play Roller Derby myself for about two and a half to three years um, with Pioneer Valley Roller Derby in Western Massachusetts. And I started when I was a grad student. Um, and then I finished my PhD and got hired on as a professor at a small college in Nebraska. And then uh, four years ago, returned to my home state of Indiana. So now I work at the Indiana Historical Bureau um, as a historian and deputy director of the bureau, which is a part of the state library. And so what attracted you back there in Massachusetts to roller derby? Yeah, that's a kind of a funny story. Um, you know, I didn't really know much about roller derby at all. I mean, I've, I've been an athlete my whole life, but growing up in Indiana, uh, you know, a true Hoosier at heart, um, you know, I grew up on basketball and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, played all my life, you know, um, and but when I was in my 20s in grad school, both when I was getting my master's at the University of Louisville and then during my PhD, I was always looking for a competitive outlet. But realistically, at least at that time, uh, in the 2010s, they're, they're <laughs> for women in their 20s, getting closer to their 30s wasn't, you know, there weren't a lot of sports leagues or pickup games that I could play. I played intramurals for a little bit. Um, but I was looking for a competitive um, outlet. Um, but I also was studying basketball for my dissertation. And 
I was in a meeting with my dissertation advisor, uh, Dr. Chris Oppie, um, who's, who's really well known for his work on Vietnam, but he's done some sports histories as well. And he was saying, you know, if you're really wanting to look into the sport of basketball, you, you need a comparative sport, perhaps something that's less traditional, but has been around for a long time. And I have this vivid memory of him saying, you know, what about roller derby? And in my mind, I just thought like, what about it? Like, I really didn't know much about it, except I had seen it on cable TV in the late 1990s when like Roller Jam was on, on like TNT or TNN or something like that. Um, and so I really just didn't know much about it. But then I started researching it and just became totally fascinated by the gender dynamics. It had been around since the 1930s. Men and women had always played alongside each other on the same team. Um, you know, it had been around and in, in quite popular at various points of time um, through the 1970s. And then it sort of died off or, or really just had sort of pockets of, um, you know, hotbeds of the sport, I guess, on both coasts the 80s and 90s, um, and then had a resurgence in the early 2000s. And that's when I started studying and then also playing myself. We're talking with <laughs> Michelle Marino, author of Roller Derby. And yeah, what you just went through, Michelle, is, is in the book. I mean, there, there is a fascinating history. I think most of us aren't aware of it. I think depending on one's age and one's uh, sort of sports IQ, um, you, you, you remember Roller Derby. I always can recall Roller Derby being uh, favored, but for women. In other words, I know it's co-ed, and that's a point you make in the book. It was co-ed right from the beginning, right? I mean, uh, the, the origin that you paint in the book is fascinating. Uh, Leo Seltzer is a figure from from the history. And, and here's another name, uh, Wrigley, the guy who does the Cubs. Oh, he did the Cubs. Wrigley named the stadium after him. He's involved with roller derby. Yeah, I don't know much about Wrigley's involvement. Um, the famed sports writer, Damon Runyon. Um, yeah, actually, that's another name, right? Yeah, <laughs> helped it as well. But there's been, roller derby really had a, ties to a lot of famous sports figures. Um, and also coming out of Chicago in the 1930s, the mob. So there's, ah. there's more research I would certainly like to do about that angle as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, it, it really was popular with, the, the Hollywood crowd for a while. It was popular with the New York elite. It was also popular with like church groups and mothers. And, um, but, but as you know, like women for, for really for much of the sports history was were the main draw, you know, people wanted to come see these women skating in this co-ed rough sport where they're kind of beating each other up. Um, but showing true athleticism along the way. And, you know, that appealed um, to both men and women in terms of being fans of the sport. How do you, Michelle, we talked with Michelle Marino, uh, author of Roller Derby, a whole history of other sport. Uh, how do you, somebody who wanders in from another planet knows nothing about roller, how do you describe the sport? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> you know, I would describe it as, you know, a skating game. Um, where at least if we're talking about the historic version of the game where women are skating against other women um, and they're trying to score points, but they're playing both offense and defense simultaneously, uh, but they're on the same team as men and the scoring is consecutive. Um, but the, the way it sort of works is, you know, skaters are skating around the track. They're playing again, offense and defense at the same time. There's lots of hard hits and action where you're trying to get your jammers, the ones that score points through a pack that is formed. 
And once, uh, you know, the lead skaters get out around the pack, they outlap them and come back to the back of the pack and get points for every opposing player they pass. And so they do that for in sort of two minute increments. Um, and then in a longer period, which is, you know, 12 to 15 minutes. And really that's been the basis of the game since the late 1930s. And even the modern game that's still played today is very similar um, in its structure. How did, how did I you know? I don't know how, you know, deep knowledge these aliens have of sporting culture, <laughs> when, but when, that's a good place to start. <laughs> when you're, when you're going through that whole routine of, of explaining it, which I know it's complicated because there's many aspects. I'm, I'm flashing to the Bob Newhart routine where <laughs> I, I don't know if you've heard this where, where Abner Doubleday explains baseball to somebody on the phone. And of course the yeah. guy is going, you know, what's a foul ball. And you know, all these things are going on. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm thinking you played roller yeah, derby. Uh, how did you change? I mean, you come into it. You 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 initially kind of, oh, I roller derby. What, what do you mean? So you get into it. How did you kind of change it? You 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 jump on it right away, or how did it affect you? You know, that's that's a really interesting question, and and one I'd like to even think a little bit more deeply about, sort of how it changed me. Um, but. You know, really what it came down to, I did not grow up roller skating. I mean, rollerblading was sort of popular when I was in junior high and high school, and I did it a handful of times, but it's not like I had a skating background. I mean, I maybe skated at a handful of birthday parties growing up, you know, um, but what I realized, and I did know this before, but I am just competitive. And so I, I tried it, you know, I wasn't particularly good at first, but I wanted to be good. And again, that is super debatable as to whether that happened or not. But I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get better. I wanted to learn the sport. And I knew that that playing the sport would help me understand it, you know, as I was reaching researching it for my dissertation, and then then later for the book as well. Um, but yeah, I had to be taught how to skate. I did not really know that the ins and outs of it, um, had to learn the ins and outs of the game. Um, and what I did, you know, a lot of people want to come in and be the jammers, the one that score the point. But the longer I played, the more I realized I didn't want to do that at all. Um, I wanted to be the pivot, which is sort of the captain on uh, that is skating um, on the track that sort of leads everybody and is, you know, implementing game strategy in real time. And, and that's what I really loved and came to realize um, that's the role that I wanted to play the most. It's this fascinating sport, and it's fascinating uh, just reading about the history of it because I'm I'm thinking, and this wasn't the um, when we talk about Leo Seltzer, this was 1935, and then you mentioned Damon Runyon, and 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 on it went, and they formed leagues and and mm -hmm. so forth. But um, television, it really was a sport for television, uh, probably in the 50s when TV was just you know arrived i guess you could say that yeah. uh that, that's how most of us get exposed to it. i suppose people have gone to it the now what about that league you were playing in in massachusetts is it still around it is still around um it's it's uh evolved a lot since i was there you know close to a decade ago um but they still are skating um and what was interesting about my league and what i think gave me some insight into the sport that perhaps others didn't necessarily have is um, in the modern resurgence of the game that came out after 2001 and into 2002 that's still around right now is mostly um, a female-led sort of modern roller derby revolution. But the league that I played with was co-ed. 
which of course the sport has been co-ed since its founding. So like that wasn't weird to me because I was studying the history of the sport. There had always been men and women alongside each other on the same team or practicing together or what have you. And then that was sort of the experience I was having. But that is not the experience of most of the women that have been skating over the last two decades. They've mostly been in um, female-led organizations, and, and that's important, and there's space for that too. But I sort of had a unique modern roller derby experience that actually was more akin to the traditional roller derby experience. It's uh, it's just a sport that just – well, now, where are we at? You know, the rise and fall, I suppose you were graphing this, the popularity of roller derby. Well, it goes up in 30s and down, and you mentioned that on coasts, and it was popular. Where are we at now with roller derby? You know, I hesitate to answer that fully um, because of the pandemic. I mean, I really oh, yeah. still right. saw roller derby taking off in popularity in the last 10 years. It's really just continued to grow. And, you know, it was kind of right on the cusp. And there were a lot of conversations about the future of roller derby, um, you know, from really, or really about 2015 through 2020 about are we going to try to cling to our sort of countercultural roots, this do-it-yourself ethos, this modern feminism that's embodied that, that we that you know the sport has had over the last two decades? Or do we want to inch more towards being a professional sport or an Olympic sport? Um, you know, are we going to give up our control over this you know modern resurgence that 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 women have created? Um, and I think that those questions stalled in many ways when the pandemic hit. I mean, people couldn't practice, they couldn't play. I think it's really just now this summer that a lot of the leagues have had regular or semi-regular seasons. So, um, you know, I think roller derby is not going to go away. I think it's going to be here for a while. And of course, lots of people have made that prediction in the past as well. And it has really operated in a sort of boom and bust cycle. Um, but I think I think people are still interested in it. Um, but I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what happens really over the next couple of years, if they can get back into that momentum and groove that they had, um, you know, prior to the pandemic. But I mean, geez, all of society is like that right now anyways. So um, Do, are there other countries that play a roller derby? Yes. Uh, all, is there a hotbed country yeah. that roller derby is really hot in? So France, it's really big in France right now. I actually did an interview with the podcast of, um, Le Monde, the newspaper um, in oh, yeah. France a couple months ago, because what's really interesting is it's really grown there over the last 10 years. Um, and they only think it's a modern sport. They don't realize in France that it had this the roots back to the 1930s. They thought that it you know, just came about sort of in the early 2000s. And it's just wow. really growing uh, very rapidly there right now. Um, so they were wanting some insight onto sort of the long history of, of the sport, but you can find it in almost every country in the world. It's in every continent or almost every continent. Um, yeah, so it, it's, it's, you know, been an American sport, but, but spread very early and continues to grow across the globe as well. Talking with Michelle, uh, Michelle Marino, author of Roller Derby, a book about the sport. Uh, Michelle, you know, you, you mentioned you were the, um, the history, the history, the Indiana, I'm going to say Illinois, Indiana History Bureau in Indianapolis. Um, so I'm thinking of the, the immediate folks in, in central Illinois. Give us a couple of things that we should know about Indianapolis historically or should visit. I mean, I know there's all kinds of things to do in Indianapolis, but give me some history that that we should be aware of here. 
Um, well, you know, Indiana is known for its sports. I mean, basketball is, uh, you know, from from Hoosiers and the Milan Miracle. Um, to, you know, there's there is a deep football tradition and racing tradition here. Obviously, people probably know about the, the Indianapolis 500. Um, but there's a lot of untold his, uh, sports stories um, across the state that I think are, are always fun to talk about, including some of the most famous roller derby stars. Uh, a couple of uh, the more famous ones um, came out of Indianapolis and roller derby had a lot of roots in the state as well. So I always try to plug that when I can. <laughs> um, but they're uh, thinking about some of the early sports that came about when with roller derby as well. Um, six day bike bicycle racing was really popular from really like the 1890s to the 1920s. And in fact, roller derby has some of its origins from that. But there's a really famous uh, bicycle bicyclist from um, Indianapolis called Major Taylor. And there's oh, yeah. been a lot of um, historical marker or we, uh, my organization um, does historical markers throughout the state. We have a historical marker to him. And I know the State Museum has an exhibit on him right now. Um, so, so that's kind of a, a fun story to tell. Um, but are you looking like tourist destinations or sporting sure. ones? Yeah. Or? You know, I'm thinking of somebody who might come for a basketball game or a baseball game or something. And then, oh, you know, while we're here. Dot, dot, dot. Well, of course, you probably have a website, right? So they could go over that and find all kinds of things, probably. Yeah, I mean, Indianapolis is, is um, has a great, vibrant downtown. There's a lot of cultural things to do. We have a canal walk. A lot of people don't know about that. Um, it's really pretty to walk on. There's a lot of fun things to do downtown from um, minor league baseball to, of course, the Colts and the Pacers and the Indianapolis Fever with a, a WNBA game. Butler's campus is, is not too far from downtown, so you can see historic Hinkle Fieldhouse is a good one. Right. Um, I live pretty close to there, and actually, um, there's a really neat cemetery downtown, Crown Hill Cemetery, that has, uh, I think, it's the second highest point in the city, and you can climb to the top of this hill in the cemetery where James Whitcomb Riley's grave is, and he's a famous poet from Indiana, um, and you can, it's a beautiful view of downtown and, and much of the city. Um, but there's a lot of museums. Kurt Vonnegut, uh, the famous author, is from Indianapolis. And there's a museum that um, recently opened um, to, to celebrate and memorialize him. Um, there's uh, the Madame Walker Theater. Like, there's so many different things I could plug. I don't think we have time for all of them, <laughs> well, really. But I do encourage I you what, to come to Indianapolis. Talking with, talking with Michelle Marino, the author of Rolgery, and she works uh, the history in Indiana, and, and it's always great to have somebody with a historical background because aside from just letting folks know about places to go, there's so many stories that come off what you just ran through there. I'm thinking of the Major Taylor who raced here in Peoria uh, mm -hmm. back, you know, years, and of course, back we're talking about in the, the early days of the 20th century. But, yeah. you know, you touch on these things, and there's just all these great stories. Well, roller derby is the story that we're, we're we've thank you for because uh, it's a book that's just you know if you didn't even if you've never heard of roller derby you really need to read this book because it's it tells you how things started and how they grew and and it's great for the women who in your case well uh, one last thing michelle here we go one last question are you going to get back on the on the rink or, or on the what do you call it what are you back on the on the skates and do it again you know, it's funny you ask. I have actually been thinking about it a little bit. Um, I have skated just a handful of times um, uh, 
with an Indianapolis team, actually back when I would travel home to visit family in the summers here um, in Indianapolis, but when I actually skated in Massachusetts and then when I moved to Nebraska, I didn't skate uh, much out there, but, but now I'm here um, back in Indianapolis and play basketball frequently, but I still need another sporting outlet. So I have considered rejoining. I'm getting a little bit up there in years, so I don't think it would be as smooth as perhaps 10 years ago, but um, I have been actually skating in the Crown Hill Cemetery. I just mentioned uh, just last week, I put on my skates for the first time in a while and um, it felt good. All right. Well, there we go. Um, you folks need to get to Indianapolis and see, you know, if you see that woman flying down the street on the skates, <laughs> that's probably someone ready for roller derby. That's Michelle right. Marino, we thank you so much for your time and uh, wish you the best and let us know, or maybe we'll get back to you on the, on the roller derby side, because I think it's a good ongoing story. And we'll also check in on Indiana history, because I think that's a great story too. Sure. I'm always uh, happy to talk about either and the ways in which they connect. So thanks for reaching out, Steve. It's been a pleasure uh, talking with you. Take care now. You too.